Hello, today we've got the Olympian who's tested positive for COVID and how he's still training. This is Destination Tokyo, a 10-minute podcast talking to Olympians and Paralympians hoping to get to Tokyo this summer. I'm Mark Shardlow. I've worked on the last four Olympics for the BBC and I'm doing this podcast to raise money for Maggie's Cancer Centres. Go to justgiving.co.uk, search Destination Tokyo. You can give as little as a pound and that will be brilliant. Well, over the last week, I've talked to lots of athletes about their mindset with all the uncertainty about the Games. It doesn't get easier. The organisers in Tokyo insist it will go ahead, albeit with changes. But today, in many of their papers, quotes from Sir Keith Mills, the former CEO of London 2012, saying it's unlikely to go ahead and saying he'd be making plans for a cancellation. But meanwhile, again on the BBC Sport website, quotes from the Tokyo organisers and politicians saying the Games will take place. In Tokyo itself, uh, the COVID numbers are rising, but still so small in comparison to here in Britain, but the number of cases are increasing. Well, here, Olympic archer Patrick Houston has tested positive and he's been self-isolating. And I spoke to him late on Tuesday. It came up positive on the, uh, the I think it was tested on, on New Year's Day. Yeah, I've, I've been isolating since then, along with, uh, along with the sort of family-in-law here. Everything's everything's fine. Nobody's got any any serious symptoms. We're all just felt a bit fluey for a few days, rested a bit. Say la vie. So, how's it affected you then? Does that mean you've not been able to go out at all? Um, I've not been not been out for. Um, well, I've I've been out since my isolation period finished, but um, I, I was in in the house solidly for for a good ten days. And I do I do quite a lot. I was a, I was about to reach for it, but I know this is uh, this is audio only. I do a lot of what I call jelly bow training, which I use a, a very light bow which is fantastic for developing technique you know it's something that's really useful for anybody trying to develop in the sport and, and come on that direction but there's no real metabolic cost there's no great strain on my body as a as a system to, to deal with the uh, the stresses of training we're pulling 25 30 kilograms there's a lot of strength holding it for a long period of time etc and the the minutiae and the finities of where your body sits and the, the positions and the angles and all of these things using a lightweight bow can actually be uh, tremendously effective for training i guess it sums up the year though doesn't it and for a sport like yours i guess it's there's not there's only so much you can do inside or if you're if you're not allowed to a venue well the the indoor element is um what's well, very biased between the olympics and the paralympics really because well for, for one thing obviously with, with the paralympics you maybe have a little bit more clearance than um, than most people but in the the paralympics they're allowed compound bows and a compound bow has a set of cams and it's a noticeably shorter bow so it's got these wheels which work as pulleys you know for people with different physical abilities and they're fantastic tools to um to allow people with lower strength levels to compete at really really high levels but a recurve bow the olympic recurve bow is really quite tall it's about 70 inches tall pretty much my height which basically means if i come up to full draw the limb the, the top point of the bow is ramming into the roof i had the shooting team on last week when that was named and some of those had got their own rigs at home one of them had had was shooting from the bathroom into the shed at the bottom of the garden but i guess that's the you know you just can't do anything like that i suppose can you yeah it's really it's really quite discouraged by um by the management at archery gb to be to be shooting at home because it's it is a, a dangerous weapon that things can go wrong and arrows can go um arrows can go anywhere really 
Um, and then the main thing as well is that the competitive distance you can do you can do short distance blank boss training, blank bell training, where you're just repeating the scale over and over again. But there's what I found when the the original lockdown, when there was uh, there was no training, no elite training whatsoever. It just gets boring as sin. You're shooting well in my in the house that I was in at the time. I could get about six and a half, seven meters in the back garden. I could get about seven meters up the middle of the house, and then I could get seven meters in the front of the front garden down the side of the house which is basically useful for nothing. And the difference between just pulling the bow back, making it click, shooting the arrow, and doing that with the intent towards hitting a target is so different in terms of intensity levels. And when I when I went from you know just training at home through the original lockdown back in uh, March, April, May last year to back to 70 meters, I pretty much was like I think I fell asleep at like half eight that night. We came came home, watched this movie we've been talking about watching for a while, and about a half an hour into it, I just passed out because there was that much more neural fatigue involved in the the act of trying to shoot at a target at the correct Olympic seventy meter distance. How much is your sport about repetitive training? Did do you need to keep doing the same thing over and over, or could you take a break for some months? and then just pick it up again and, and be be as good as you were. So there's an interesting balance between that and it is it is absolutely a sport of uh, fine control and repetition. You know, the game that I play in the Olympic games is here is my skill, here is your skill and we are comparing them at this exact point who can do it the best. And in order to get to those levels of finesse and those levels of accuracy, you do need to be training regularly. You need to be putting a lot of hours through your bow, a lot of hours into your body, into your your cerebellum, the bit of your brain that habituates movement patterns and that requires a certain level of volume to to do that. The interesting thing though, is the large number of approaches of different totally differing approaches to the to the training mechanisms of how you can get those volumes you can do you know an awful lot of uh, like larry godfrey the uh, 2004 finalist for 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 um for archery and he does almost all of his volume shooting at blank boss in his garage and then he comes out but because of his years of competing he can come out and shoot at you know the top level of the national standard my coach who's um who's in his 60s now he's three-time olympian two-time bronze medalist back in the 80s and uh, 88 92 and whenever he picks up his bow yeah he's shooting a bow that's maybe 30 percent less draw weight than mine but the difference between you know a 20 something shooting a 55 pound bow and a 60 something shooting a 42 43 pound bow he's still a phenomenal archer and if he put any effort into the training he could be he might not necessarily make the team you know we're fairly good at the top end nowadays but he could make the top 10 in the country quite comfortably where's your head at patrick when it comes to competition and the olympics i mean i'm sure you follow other sports you're seeing the australian tennis open at the moment you've got 70 or 80 tennis players who are quarantined for two weeks in their hotel room before they can compete we had a couple of badminton players, Lauren Smith and Marcus Ellis, on last week. They're 21 hours a day in their hotel room in Bangkok when they're competing. Does it feel like your sport or any sport at an elite level will have to follow that same sort of protocol going forward? I think we pretty much have to be open to whatever may come. We don't know what what position the world will be in. We don't know what position the requirements of where we're going to go might be. You know, we might have a World Cup in Shanghai and we might have a have to quarantine when before when we arrive there. We might have to when we go to Tokyo we might have to spend two weeks in some um you know Japanese hotel before we're able to go. Yeah, you know, the the question marks 
debates around what um what our paths in sport are nowadays is, is for, for the moment is going to be well basically you have to be ready for everything and that's something that like i've been around in the international scene competing for long enough now that i'm totally fine with the fact that yeah that bus might just not turn up yeah you might be arriving 10 minutes before your event but I've had this stuff happen to me often enough. I have my full length warm up that I can do if I have, you know, an hour and 20 minutes before I before I compete or if I've got 10 minutes and I need to be ready. Well, I can switch my head on and do that in the in the bus. There's some stuff I can do with self massage that'll get myself slightly primed. I discovered one day driving down to a, a tournament in South Wales, um, and it was obviously a fairly long drive from um, you know just north of Birmingham and Telford. I, I went down the M5 route, but I was basically late. And when I turned up to the tournament, I could pick up my bow and have a few ends to warm up, but that wouldn't quite give me the practice element that I wanted to have. So I discovered this method of effectively just slapping, just slapping my my muscles because it. It compresses and quickly decompresses the, the tissue and that pumps the blood through. And basically, by just slapping various bits of muscles for the, the last, say, 10 minutes of driving, but that means that I've got various different mechanisms that I can implement if something ridiculous happens and you know we, we are stuck in a hotel room. I can do the jelly bow work. I can do the reversals work, the bow training with the elbow sling. I talk an awful lot on my YouTube channel. There's loads of different ways to uh, to go about dealing with the uh, the differences that we may experience nowadays. Brilliant. It sounds like you're in a good place. I know you put a lot of store on the mental preparation and whether that's you or whether that's your sport, I'm not sure, but it sounds like you're there. Indeed. Um, I'm, I'm a massive fan of the, the mental game in archery and the, the self-belief and the visualisation of things happening, convincing yourself that you know you are the Olympic champion, that you are a member of the British team. That's, that is an affirmative statement in the, in the present tense. It might be in the future, but it's in the present tense because you are embodying it now. And that's something that I'm, I'm adamant of and I'm, I'm, certain, I'm confident of my place in the British team. We've got um, four men going for, or going for the three places that we qualified, the, the full men, full women's team qualified. Um, so we've got the full women's team going for that and then got four men going for, uh, for the three places in, in the guys' side. And I'm, I'm pretty confident that I'll get those spaces. Um, I know that who, whatever combination of men we have going to Tokyo, men and women will be coming back with a, a quantity of bling. Brilliant. Well, look, stay well. I hope the, the last few days of uh, isolation pass quickly and maybe we can catch up with you in two or three weeks and see where you're at. Fantastic. Look forward to talking to you, Mark. I love talking to Patrick and you can check out his YouTube and his Facebook. He's got some great videos on there. A whole new level to the world of archery. We'll talk to Patrick again in two or three weeks. Uh, that's it for today. Uh, thank you very much for listening. There won't be an episode tomorrow, but I'll be back soon. <laughs>